0: really want to focus on this subject of uh, watching and praying, but before we kind of get started with this, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless us, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've allowed us to gather together as your people. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, your mercy, your grace upon us. Thank you, Lord, for this um, Sunday school hour where Lord we can open the Scriptures and pray the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, minister each and every one of us, Lord, help us help meet those needs that are here through the Scripture teaching this morning. May the Holy Spirit give unction not only to the teaching and the speaking of it, but to the hearing of it. And may, Lord, you uh, stir in our hearts this very subject of watching and praying, a command that Christ gave to us as it relates to his second coming. And may it bring forth fruit in our lives that we have a walk that's pleasing in your sight increasing in the knowledge of God, giving glory and honor to the savior who loves us who loved us and died for us and washed us in his blood. Thank you, Father, for this moment. We ask you to bless it in Jesus name. Amen. So, kicking off with this subject of end times, it's important to understand this is a command. You know, Pastor last Sunday kicked off his Sunday night, talking about the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And so he we went into that subject in a broad sense. And I thought about this as a command. Watch and pray is not a hopeful, you might want to do it, think about it. He's telling you, do it. Watch and pray. But as Christians, we struggle with this, this idea of wanting the Lord to come back, thinking about the Lord coming back, and living a life as if he were coming back. And so we'll talk about that and the impact it has. Uh, let's hope I can get this thing going. All right, brother. There we go. All right. So we're instructed and admonished, which is in the case of admonish here, it's warned to watch and pray. It's seven times in, in the, we're told in the Gospels uh, by Jesus Christ to watch and pray as it relates to his coming, the return of Christ. And so what does that mean to watch and pray? And that's what we're going to kind of settle around this morning and try to get a good concept of what this means to watch and pray. First of all, it's a prevailing thought. That is, it appeals to us. Now, I've heard a lot of amens already talking about it. That tells me God's people th- are thinking about the return of Christ. It's appealing to them. Now, if you tell someone that Jesus is coming again, and they, they kind of brush you off and they don't want you to talk about it, it's not a prevailing thought, but Jesus wants it to be a prevailing thought in your life. It's an appealing thought to you. It's an attitude of the heart. it It dwells deep in the heart of a believer of Lord, you got I'm looking forward to you coming again. And um, because I have this attitude, it reflects in my life in the way I think, the way I act, what I do. Uh, I think the proverbs twenty three seven says uh, for uh, as he. Thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you're thinking about the return of Christ, it's going to change the way you think. I think Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, for there will your heart be also. Boy, I tell you that that right there is, you could stop right there and we could talk for the next hour on that subject alone. Because you're gonna put your if your treasure is Christ returning, then your heart's going to be there also. It starts with the heart. <clears throat> it's a perspective in this life. It's your worldview. It's how it shapes your, your thinking, your acts, your actions. And of course, it's a priority of the thought life. That's what Jesus meant by watch and pray. But you've made this a priority in your thought life. That is, it impacts your decision-making. It influences everything you do. If you believe Christ is returning soon, Wouldn't that impact the way you act or what you're going to do for him and how you're going to treat others? I mean, if you thought he was coming back, if you knew that Christ was coming back in a week, would that change your life right now? If you knew the the day and the hour, which no man knoweth, but if you knew, how would that impact your life? It's almost like when the doctor says you got stage four. The impact that has on your life is profound. If you're living for the Lord, it may not change a whole lot. But if your life has been a little bit suspect, boy, oh boy, does that change your whole outlook now. Because you know your time is short. So these things are what Christ is trying to tell us. I want you to watch for this, and I want you to be praying. If there's any characteristic of God's people that needs to be prevalent, and uh, Paul spoke about this last week, it's a prayer life. God's people ought to be on their knees. They'll bathe everything in prayer. I think the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. I say that's impossible. It's the attitude, being ready to pray at any time. So Christians always should have a deep desire to exist in the heart of the believer, of them as believers. And so this is sometimes just to get us a little course correction. Sometimes we're not thinking about the return of Christ. Now, the events that are happening in the world today, are causing people to go, whoa, maybe this is the time. But we do that all the time. Every time there's a major event unfolding in the world, we, we start to think about this could be it. This could be the time. Now, what's happening in Israel is very interesting. What's happening with Russia and China and Iran and the alignment, that's very interesting. What's happening with artificial intelligence and what's, what's going to happen in the next five years is profound, how it's going to change your life forever. You don't know that yet until I share some, maybe you do. I'm going to share some of that, how it's going to impact your life forever. And all these things are happening to prepare the world for what's coming. Now, the world before Christ comes back is not going to It's not going be pretty. And we're going to talk about that as a sign because it's really not a sign. But in the coming weeks, we'll talk about, you know, the law of thermodynamics and how everything is is getting worse. It's not going to get better, because Christ already prophesied and told us that. So, I better move on. Consider the words of Christ. If you were to read Mark 13, he's talking about his second coming as as the the, uh, master of the house returns. You don't know what time he's going to return, whether it's going to be in the uh, evening or midnight or the cock crowing or in the, I think it's called the morning. There are four watches in the night. What Jesus is saying. Could it be we're at the end of the fourth watch? I don't know. I believe so. Because I believe Christ is coming back soon. Sooner than maybe we think. But he's he's teaching them in that verse alone, or those verses, four times he tells them to watch. And we're going to define what watch means. So we are to watch for his coming. So here's a couple good examples of this. The Lord's Prayer included these words, thy kingdom come. Now we always say, you know, we we kind of, it's a model. And I heard a pastor over the summer say, when was the last time you prayed for Christ to return? It seems like an odd prayer because he's going to return whenever he wants to. But that ought to be the desire, Lord, please come. But when we're enjoying life, it's really hard to pray that. You know, you're having a good time, and life is good, and you're healthy, and you're busy, and you're active. Your mind tends not to be on the return of Christ. It kind of is in the moment. And God's saying, you got to change your mind from the temporal to the eternal. Agreed? So thy kingdom come is is what he's... Now, I know you can say that's spiritual, you know, the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God which is in you. But he's also referring to a a reference there to the physical kingdom. Because that was a promise given to the Jews that he would come back and be their king, but not the first time. They missed it, by the way, and more on that later. But here's another example. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. The very last words in all of Scripture spoken by our Savior was, Surely I come quickly. Think about that. What's the emphasis? I'm returning. Be prepared. Watch and pray. Surely I come quickly. And of course the response of John after going through Revelation, Amen, even so, that is let it be, come Lord Jesus. That's the attitude of believers. Come Lord Jesus. Now, go back to that verse that says, surely I come quickly. You read that. Our definition of quickly is a lot different than the Lord's. That's been 2,000 years. Almost 2,000 years since the Lord uh, ascended up to heaven after his resurrection. So you think about the word quickly. We live in this box called time. When Jesus spoke those words, he was in heaven outside of time. He's eternal. His perspective is eternal. Everything. So we understand that when he says, I come quickly, for him, it's a blink of an eye. For us, it's time. And so it's a lot different in, in that definition. And so he's decided to wait, so far, almost 2,000 years. But he's been building his church, his bride, in that time frame. The one thing that holds me back, I'm saying, Lord, come quickly, as I still have people I want to see get saved. But the Lord's going to say there's a day where it comes where, no, it's, it's going to end. And the body of Christ is going to go up to be with him for eternity. And then all hell is going to break loose here on this earth. <clears throat> So we talk about the imminent return of Christ. Before I get into this, I'll say this from a personal testimony. When I was a young believer, um, you know, I got a hold of these truths. And man, you know, as a young believer, you start reading about prophecy and things that are happening. I mean, it's exciting stuff. And of course, this is back in the 80s when there was a lot more teaching and preaching on prophecy. I, I, I hate to say it, folks, but we're not doing that a lot anymore. I was in a church for eight years, and I know they preached on missions. They preached on gospel. They did a good job, but I never heard a sermon in eight years on prophecy, on the end times. They'd mention it, but never heard the details. And I thought to myself, something's wrong here. I know we got to get the gospel out. I know we got work to do. But folks, a lot of people get stirred in their hearts when they realize prophecy unfolding and the things of God, and the blueprint of God. So I will be sharing that with you over time. But in my personal life, I, was, I thought I was obsessed with the return of Christ. And, but t- as time went on, as I matured, in that sense, I got busy with family, got busy raising children, got busy making money, growing, you know, growing uh, family. All, the, all those things started to occupy my mind. My thinking, my actions, it's not that I wasn't involved in church or anything like that. It's just I got so occupied that it was a forethought. The return of Christ just didn't, I wasn't thinking about it like I was when I was early on in my my Christian walk with God. And I think sometimes we need this course correction in our life to, to think about the return of Christ and be watching and praying. So, the imminent return of Christ has been around since the days of Christ's ministry. That is in the hearts of believers. And um, especially in the early church, they were looking for his return. And I'm going to prove that to you here in in these next few slots or next few verses. Paul wrote in Philippians, For our conversation is in heaven. The word conversation means lifestyle, it also means citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. You can take that to the bank. God said it, so be it. It's it's true. From whence, notice, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So clearly Paul is admonishing, telling we look for the Savior. So they are watching and praying. He's instructing them to do that. Why? Because your citizenship's in heaven. So you want him to return so you can be with him. Paul always included himself in these verses because he believed Christ was coming back in his days, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, motivating one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, do you think the day is getting closer? Well, Tom, you've been in the ministry 50-plus years, would you say? Well, huh, 50. And how much more do you believe we're getting close? You know, so as you see the day approaching, that ought to change how we gather and how we think about when we gather and not forsaking that as some would do. For this we say unto you, now watch this carefully, by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall uh, under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul included himself in the rapture. He believed it was imminent. It could happen at any time. Now, 2,000 years have passed. You say, well, he hasn't come. So then we get kind of like, well, maybe he probably probably won't come in my lifetime. He didn't come in Paul's lifetime. He didn't come in Martin Luther's lifetime. He didn't come in in the 1900s when everybody thought he would come. So we start to think, well, he's probably not coming. And we put it aside, and we don't watch and pray like we're supposed to. But Paul's attitude was, we are going to see it happen. We which are alive and remain. So he he was clearly in the present tense about this happening. His salutation, opening uh, words in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.7, you know, he always said, uh, grace be unto you and peace, right? Paul, grace brings forth peace. And then he comes right out in verse 7, so that you come behind and no gift. What are you supposed to be doing? Waiting. Waiting for the coming of the Lord. That's a, he's telling believers to watch and pray. However, as time has gone on, this has become more prevalent. And Paul, Peter's addressing that in Second Peter chapter uh, three. He says, knowing this first that there should come in the last day's scoffers. You know what a scoffer is? Someone who thinks you're stupid and foolish. Now and then I'll see something, I'll read something uh, in the blog, you know, if there's an event going on and, and they're trying to tell people who are writing in there about God. Is trying to get everybody's attention. God's moving in the world. And then you've got the naysayers. And they're a dime a dozen. They're more than those that are talking about God. And I, I can't tell you how many times I read, Your God is a fairy tale. Your God is fairy dust. Everything you believe is foolish. That what they're, they're doing is scoffing. They're saying, You're stupid. You're moronic to think that there's a God who is in charge of the world and they just do not believe their eyes are closed, but they're scoffing at us. They're calling us foolish and stupid and ignorant and uneducated. How's that make you feel? Makes you want to fight back, right? What's going to happen the day we're all gone and they're left behind? They're, you think they're going to change their mind? What do you think about all those people in the flood that ridiculed and scoffed at Noah the whole time he's built? The old man, is got, he's lost it. He's insane. insane. Look at what he's doing. Building an ark, talking about some rain coming, some flood coming. But brother, the day he walked into that ark and God shut that door, and that's how it reads, he shut them in, God shut them in, and those animals and Noah and his family were safe, I guarantee you those people started to think twice. At least the animals had enough sense to get in the ark. Where is the promise of His coming? I hate to say this, but this is tr- a true statement that more and more Christians and Christian groups today don't believe He's coming back. Because they believe in a more figurative uh, uh, approach to Scripture. So I've, uh, I've talked to these people. They're a dime a dozen. When they look at the book of Revelation, they'll tell you square in their face, God has already fulfilled all that; it's already been fulfilled, and we often refer to these folks as amillennials. amillen. They don't believe in the millennial kingdom and or anything of the return of Christ. So they teach Christians or, or professing Christians all over that uh, the return of Christ is not literal; it's spiritual, and it's already been. Completed, it's already been fulfilled, and so what they're doing is scoffing, they're mocking Christ, saying, Where is the promise? That's a literal return of Christ, that's what Peter's saying, but they don't believe that. And so, when I hear people say that, all I hear is that blah blah blah. Just remember this when I'm going back to those words, Surely I come quickly, and they go, Yeah, your God came quickly 2,000 years ago, He said that it hadn't happened yet, right? But what they fail to remember. God is outside of time and a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. Just like I said when I came in, it's been six months since I last stood up here. How fast did that go? I woke up and here I am again. And so i, I, I it, it blows my mind how fast life is going. But for God, it's there is no time. And so He's taking his time before he returns so people get saved and come to know Christ. But there will be a day that will stop. His coming is going to happen. So help us to not be in that category ever. So here's something that goes back to the prevailing thought, the attitude, the perspective, and the priority. 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. Look at the confidence of that right, of those words. We know. How do we know? You know what the world doesn't like about us? Is our confidence in God and in the scriptures. When we speak, we speak with confidence. Because we trust God that what he said, he will do. And we stand that ground and they can't stand it. Because their life is a variable. It's always moving. It's never fixed. With truth, it's fixed. It's, it does not move. God does not move his promises. What, what's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, the promises of God, you might be partakers of the Holy Ghost, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Exceeding great and precious promises? Yep. And one of them, I'm coming back to get you whether you like it or not. (laughs) It's like mom with a kid, you know? Kids fighting the whole way. You're coming with me! (laughs) We know that. Confidence, when he shall appear, now that's a little different than the coming. Appearing is the rapture. So He's referring to the, I believe, a reference there to the rapture, the appearing of Christ, and what the Bible says, we'll meet him if we're alive and it happens, we'll meet with him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord? The coming is a very visible event, and there are signs that will happen in the tribulation that lets people know he's coming back. the sign of the Son of Man in heavens, in the heavens and all that stuff. So this, this appearing is, is not known. It's in the twinkling of an eye when it happens. We shall be like Him for. Oops. Hey, what happened to the rest here? Okay, and every man that hath this hope that is you're watching and praying and you're preparing for his return every man that hath this hope does what purifieth himself he's preparing when the lord returns so he's not ashamed or embarrassed so there is a there's something that takes place when you're looking for christ to return it does something spiritually for you and and giving you the proper walk to bear fruit unto God. Why is it doing that? Okay, summed up. Thou will keep him. Now, I'm, I'm going to take a little side note here, a little side note. Um, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. This is one of my favorite verses, by the way. I've, I've been meditating on this verse, as simple as it is. Say it with me. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee profound. So, I don't know about you, but now and then I I'll struggle with anxiety. I'm human. I get overwhelmed by a lot of things that, and now that I'm retired, I, it's funny, I'm I can handle stress a lot better when I was working because <laughs> I was in it all day long. So, things were like water off a duck's back, but today the little things start to bother me more and the stress levels and because you're not in a stressful environment all the time. So, the older you get, West, you're disconnected from the, you're getting, you can get more anxious. And we live in a pill-popping society. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody here. And I'm not telling you what to do or, you know, what the doctor prescribes, but we are in a pill-popping society. We have a pill for everything. If you're anxious, take this. If you're doubly anxious, take two of these. I mean, if you're depressed, take this and then add this because that'll help that. And we, 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 we talk about chemical imbalances everywhere, and we have a mental health crisis in our country. And, and we think about all the needs uh, the, the physical need that's trying to take care of a spiritual rooted problem. It doesn't work. And, and I keep going back to this verse. If my mind is stayed on the return of Christ, and on Him, and on the treasures in heaven, and on what's coming, the Bible promises me He'll keep me. In perfect peace. So, oftentimes I've been struggling a little bit with sleep. You know, I'll wake up at three like my heart's just pounding. I don't I have no idea why. You know, I can't understand it. I told my wife, I but I know I have one thing I can do. I said, Lord, can you help me sleep? Lord, can you give me some peace about this? Whatever it is, you know, the devil's trying to do to bother me. And, um, uh, in fact, last night I was like, Lord, just give me a good night's sleep. Just per- I, I need some good rest for in pre- preparation for this. And God made me, allowed me to sleep like a baby. I can prove it. I have a sleep app. And it shows me when I have a good night versus not a good night. But I just simple prayer. And I woke up. I said, praise God. Thank you for answering such a sin. You did not have to answer that for me. I'm, it's just trivial. It seems so trivial, doesn't it? But for God, it was important. If he can take care of uh, Peter mother-in-law's headache, he can take care of my sleep and your sleep. I don't know why I got off all on that, but it's just keeping our mind on him. Watch and pray. Wow, we, that's really, you can tell I'm rusty. I'm not even close to finishing. So what does it actually mean to watch? Attention, ready, stay awake. You know what's happening to Christians? to fall asleep, to be cautious. That's what the word means, as Jesus said, watch. He said, stay awake spiritually. We begin to close our eyes. So what is it not to watch? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now I'm going to really burst people's bubbles because they're looking at every all these things happening in the world and they go, oh, it's a sign. and I'm going to explain that, how we should approach that kind of stuff. I'm going to deal with it, and it's going to help you, I believe. But Jesus really rebuked this group of leaders for seeking after a sign for one reason, because they sought for a sign to believe. They didn't seek a sign to encourage and to build up. They sought a sign to believe, like, oh, if I don't see it, I won't believe it. Now, some Christians are like that. Lord, you got to do this for me, or I'm just not going to believe. That's not faith. Faith is dependent on God no matter the outcome or what he does. So, and Jesus gives us some really good examples of this. So it's wrong to seek for a sign in order to believe. So, Lord, if you don't show me this, I won't believe it. Who 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 first comes to mind when you hear that? Thomas. I will not believe unless I put my finger in the nail print of his hand and in his side. What did Jesus, you know, Jesus was so gracious because he said, Tom, he said, go for it. He said, but blessed is he, there's the rebuke, blessed is he that believes without having a son. But he loved Thomas. So we all fall in that category sometimes. Oh Lord, you got to show it to me or then I'll believe you. Mm-mm. The entire, so signs are important. I'm not knocking signs and they're coming back. I know that kind of shocks some of you. It's coming back in the tribulation, not in the church age. So the ministry of Jesus Christ was accompanied by signs. His entire ministry, though it was the preaching of the gospel, it was a signs. Why? Because the Jews require a sign. From the early days of their calling in Egypt, there were all the plagues, there were signs. When Moses put his hand in, it came out leprous, he put it back in, it came out clean, it was a sign. Threw down the rod, it turned into a snake, it's a sign. When they were in the wilderness and they had the fire and the cloud to fall, it's a sign. Sign, sign, sign. The whole ministry of Christ. Remember when John the Baptist was in prison, about to die? he began to doubt Christ. And he says, is he the one? Now he's the one who heralded him in. And now he's doubting him. Now, before we, you know, let that halo glow a little more, remember this. John was sitting in a prison, about to be beheaded, sitting with the muck and all the bugs and the the frogs. Who knows what was down there? Sewage, the whole works. We'd probably start doubting too. It's just human. But Jesus, what did Jesus say? Go tell John this. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised from the dead. And by the way, the gospel is preached. He's saying, John, the signs are there. And because they were Jewish, God gave them the signs. So signs were important. They're not unimportant, but we're not to seek it to believe. Unfortunately, a lot of people needed signs to believe, and they still didn't believe. So it was a fulfillment of scriptures. The Jews require a sign. And the early church was followed by signs. Why? Because the early church was mainly what? Jewish. And as a result, they didn't have scripture, New Testament. But as the church matured and became more Gentile, there was less need for signs. And so, as the scriptures uh, start, started circulating and uh, was being filled with Gentiles, God did away with the signs. They started to fade. That's a summary of the, the, the aspect of signs. So, but we don't seek for a sign to believe. So, we got just a second here. What sign did Jesus give to the leaders of the Jewish nation when he called them a wicked and adulterous generation seeking after a sign to believe? He said, There shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. What's the sign did he give him? He gave them scripture. That's what you believe. That's what he wants you to believe. He gave them the scripture as the most important sign. In Luke 16, uh, the rich man and the beggar, and the rich man's, you know, tell my brother and tell my brother and send somebody. And Jesus said, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, there's your scripture. They will not believe if someone rises from the dead to tell them. There's a sign. So again, scripture is what God wants us to focus on. I think I'm going to have to stop there, and um, we'll conclude uh, with a couple more things. Yep, next week, and then we'll get into uh, the major events that are happening as the end, day, end times and really the details of those those uh, general events that, that I think will be somewhat earth-shaking to some of you as, it, as, as the Lord allows us to to see these things. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've gathered us together to be able to think about what our need is and in our in obedience to the Lord's command to watch and pray. Lord, this isn't always easy. We confess it to you that we struggle with it to keep our minds focused on the return of Christ and Lord, help us to have a heart that desires the Lord's return and is looking for and hasting unto the return of Christ. And may you give us the strength and the wisdom and the, and the desire for that. Lord, as we look for you, we thank you for what you're about to do in this next coming hour of worship. May the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up and glorified. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Benita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.